Lovely day for tennis, eh? Game set and match. This is Tennis Talk Canada with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Welcome aboard Tennis Talk Canada. All set to go. TSN 1050, Jim Taddy and Ken Christina. I will welcome Ken in shortly. Guest in the second segment will be Mark Rowe from the TSN Tennis Headquarters. Later on, Pierre Dufour will stop by. He's the VP of Marketing Strategy for National Bank. Ken, how are you today? I'm doing great, Jim. Happy to be on air talking tennis. And uh, there's quite a few people playing tennis outside in and around the Toronto area at this time of year, which is not something we're accustomed to, but it's a sign of the times of where we are with the pandemic and how it's affecting people. And they're they're trying to get outside and play a little tennis or inside and play a little tennis. So it's nice to well, see. And the weather's, uh, the weather's cooperating. Spring is in the air. So, uh, you know, last year at this time, everything was shutting down. And I don't know exactly how it will track, but at least there's the promise that, that when the weather gets better, uh, it'll be a little better than it was uh, the spring of last year, which, which was pretty well a lockdown situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I talked to some people this week that were going to their local tennis courts that had some courts still have left their nets up. They were going there first thing in the morning, kind of 9 a.m. Shoved. Well, I think we lost Ken, so we'll... Uh... Ad lib until he rejoins us. Going to do a recap on the Australian Open. off a court or two, making it kind of nice to to be able to to play tennis. Yeah, Ken is in and out. So uh, we'll we'll get him to reconnect, Ben. Yeah, okay, there you are. I don't know what was happening, but go ahead. So just uh, Jim, if you can hear me, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? No. Okay. Uh, So what we'll do is we'll get Ben to reconnect uh, with with Ken. Ben and Ken reconnecting. And uh, then we'll resume the broadcast. Uh, Pierre Dufour is the VP of Marketing Strategy for National Bank. He's going to stop by. And, of course, the big news is National Bank is uh, the, the new title or uh, the title sponsor for the two Canadian events uh, that are, of course, the, the, the jewel of, of Canadian tennis uh, in the summer, one in Montreal, one in Toronto. So, Ken, I was just sort of uh, filling in the blanks on, on National Bank and the National Bank Open. And uh, you're talking about tennis outside, and, and that's, that's good. Yeah, it was funny. I was talking to some people this week. Sorry, I got disconnected there, but they were going to their local tennis clubs that still had some nets up this week, and they were uh, shoveling off the court in the morning, waiting till midday when the sun was warmer, and they'd go outside and play tennis, and they were bringing along little portable heaters and and portable batteries that they would plug a a hairdryer into to kind of dry off the tennis balls if they got wet and or to unfreeze the tennis balls on the really cold days. And of course, a lot of the um, clubs outside of Toronto in the outlying areas in Markham and Durham and regions like that, the indoor courts are back open. So people that are living in those areas are able to play tennis again indoors. So, you know, it's a perfectly socially distanced sport and there's lots of people that have been going out to play tennis, whether it's inside or outside. So certainly makes me smile and a lot of tennis players smile. And, you know, it's just nice to see people kind of seeing a bit of a a bit of normalcy to their life again, being safe still, wearing the masks and things like that, but uh, starting to, you know, trickle back to a bit of a normal life, uh, which is which is certainly nice to see. Mark Rowe will join us in our second segment. We want to welcome in a, a new sponsor that we'll uh, introduce to you formally later on. It's the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management, and we'll have the script for you later on. But I want to thank them for joining us uh, through the course of our season uh, the uh, the nine shows that we have planned uh, to get us through all the uh, the slam events and of course the 
two national bank opens uh, but let's go back to the australian open uh there were seven canadian hopefuls in singles uh you know the, you know not too bad obviously you wanted somebody to get to, to the ultimate moment but but still i think a pretty good representation of canadian tennis how about you yeah absolutely i think you know there's never been a time that i can remember where, where we've had seven canadians playing singles in a grand slam and we've talked in past shows jim about you know, the yesteryears when you had maybe one, possibly two, and often they were in the qualifying of the Grand Slams and you would, you know, kind of sit on the edge of your seat and hope that a Canadian would get through into the main draw. And if they did, it was usually a quick exit from that point on. Yes, we've had some great success over the years in the doubles with Grant Connell, Glenn Michibata, Daniel Nestor, of course. Uh, both Grant Connell and Daniel Nestor were ranked number one in the world in doubles. Daniel, of course, for much longer and had a longer run. But to have seven Canadians playing singles and seven Canadians playing singles with a chance to do well and, you know, get some victories under their belt and go deeper in the tournament. Yes, Jim, you're right. They didn't go as far. Some of them, our top ones, didn't go as far as maybe we would have liked. But, um, you know, it, it's different times. It's different times for everybody on tour. And, and a few of our Canadians were under a hard quarantine for two weeks and then had to come out of that and try and compete and do well. You know, we were happy as Canadians, I'm sure, to see Bianca back and playing uh, some good tennis. She was a little bit, you know, shall we say, match rusty. I think she's as fit a tennis player on the court as we've ever seen from Bianca Andreescu. But as far as, you know, putting together points and putting together solid games, back-to-back -back games, it was a little tricky for her. Quite often, her unforced errors outweighed her winners. And when you have that um, poor stat, it's going to bode for some, some tough matches to win. And, you know, she did well as far as, you know, gaining some momentum and some ground there. But the long matches caught up with her. And uh, unfortunately, she was out. And then she's, she's withdrawn from the next, next event. You know, she said she's uh, got a bit of a leg injury. But to be honest, I think it's just the the strain and the stress of playing in a grand slam and then the strain and the stress of playing in a grand slam after having not competed for 13 14 15 months uh it's tough on these players so but great to see bianca back out and playing again which is nice um on the, on the women's side and of course layla annie fernandez had a had a tough go of things as well but you know and of course uh rebecca marino uh, was a, a headliner as well and, and got through the first round, lost out uh, in the second round. Uh, the Bianca situation, of course, you're always concerned about injury problems and that being a chronic issue. And, and you know, really for her comeback, it was uh, you'd like to see her ease through a couple of tournaments uh, and maybe a, maybe a couple more than maybe more than just two and, and sort of ease back into a, a slam event. And that, that's got to be uh, physically grueling on her and, and obviously paid the price. And, you know, I guess on the men's single side, the other story would be they, they ran into each other, the Canadians. And so it got a little claustrophobic at times there. Um, Ken, are you back with us? No. Okay, so what okay. we're going to do is take oh, – there. okay, there there you are. What we, what we should do is just take a, a proper break here and, and, and reset everything and, and uh, just get back on the same page. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. 
This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. Getting your financial planning in order is very important. This past year has taught us to expect the unexpected, and I feel comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group will provide a written plan that will be tailored specifically for you and will reflect your goals and aspirations. It will be reviewed with you regularly and updated or adjusted to reflect major changes in circumstances or life events. The planning process begins with you in mind. The Fox Group inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. Contact the Fox Group at their website, donfox.net, and follow on Twitter at Fox Group PWM. Jim Taddy and Ken Christina with you. Ken, I was talking uh, while we were interrupted there due to technology about on the men's side at the Australian Open. Unfortunately, we canceled ourselves out at times, didn't we? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we seem like it, it, the Canadians keep coming up and playing each other in these big tournaments, and it certainly seems to be, you know, we've seen it with Vashik, we've seen it with Milos, we've seen it now with Dennis and Felix a couple of times. And, you know, I'll tell you, we... I'm surprised, to be honest, that Dennis went down in three sets to Felix, and I'm surprised, to be honest, that Felix won that match outright. And I had a Zoom call meeting with um, a, a bunch of our tennis professionals from Mayfair, and we had about we had a little contest to see who they thought would win. And out of 20 of the coaches that put in their their um, guesses, I guess, as to who would win that match, only two people picked Felix to win over Dennis. So I was. I was one of those people that, that sided with thinking Dennis would win. I thought it would go to four sets, but Felix played exceptionally well. Unfortunately, the round after that, you know, some of his old uh, demons creeped back into his game where he just looks like he starts to get tight, starts to go for too much with his shots, and uh, from two sets up, he ended up losing in five in the next round. But, uh, you know, there's great things to come down the road for all of these young Canadians. And, and even Milos had a great... Uh, Australian Open, you know, he, he made it through to the fourth round, lost in four sets to uh, Djokovic. Um, of course, Djokovic was injured at some point uh, during that match uh, or just before that match. But, look, uh, these Canadians are doing great things, and uh, we're going to see them in these Grand Slams going deep for years to come. So uh, we're excited about that for sure. Let's bring in from TSN Tennis Headquarters, Mark Rowe. At Mark Rowe TV is the Twitter account. Mark, welcome. How are you today, sir? Hi, Jim. Hi, Ken. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Don't complain. The weather's nice. People are, are shoveling their courts and playing outside, which is a real Canadiana story. Uh, let's look back on, on the Australian Open. What jumps off the page for you? Uh, I, I think that, you know, Canadians doing relatively well in terms of quantity. Um, I think it kind of got derailed there, and, and I think the most disappointing result maybe is the one that you guys were just talking about with Felix just because there was an opportunity there where he played brilliantly against Denis Shapovalov and was I don't think there's ever a flawless match but he was pretty close to that and then you face this Russian qualifier who obviously became a great story and you're up two sets to love you know that's when you know the the great players separate themselves from just the good ones you know where they kind of they kind of you know kind of put it in not necessarily put the the pedal on the metal there but you, you figure out how to complete the match and give Aslan Karatsev all the credit in the world in that match um, but you you need a counter punch you know what I mean like just because what was working in the first two sets isn't now working you know you have to find another way to kind of navigate yourself through that and I always go back to what Bianca was able to do at the U.S. Open, and, and she did that countless times and how impressive that was as a 19-year-old to already figure that out. 
Um, that is something Felix needs to overcome. You know, there's a reason why he's lost seven finals already. And, and again, he's going to have a great career. He's going to go on and do great things. He's a wonderful player, but there's something, there is a roadblock there. And we saw it on display just before the Australian Open, losing to Daniel Evans, and we saw it in that match against Karatsev. And you just hope that he can overcome that sooner rather than later. I agree with you 100% there, Mark. And I think that he, you know, he was 5 for 6 on break points. And uh, Karatsev was only 5 of 14 on break points. But it's almost like, you know, he's hitting his head against the wall and it hurts, but he just continues to hit his head against that wall. And, you know, his first serve percentage was only at 59%, but it was quite a bit higher than that in the first two sets, and it started to fall off. And, you know, we always tell our young high-performance kids, you know, some rank as high as number one in the country, that when when your serve starts to fall off a little bit and it isn't working, take a little bit of pace off that first serve, spin it in. Your opponent doesn't know what's coming. They think you're going to send the heat. Spin it in, start to build some confidence and kind of work the court a little bit. And it just seems like Felix is unprepared to work the court, whether it be with his serve or his ground strokes, and just keeps going for the big shots that were working and then stopped working. Fair, fair statement? I think so. And, and you know, and, and maybe I'm a victim here of overanalyzing someone's body language and, and the things that they say after matches. But Felix is so hard on himself. And one of the, co- like, kind of the contrast between him and Dennis is a lot of times Dennis will see the positives and kind of brush it off. And Felix, is, you'll see it kind of in his language where it's like, man, did I screw that up? And I feel like he's getting like that in the matches, and that's when you see some of those errors happen. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, when you have an opponent who clearly has a read now suddenly on your serve, you know, throw something different and, and make them work for the points a little bit more. You know, Kratzov, again, he played really well. I, I don't want to get into these scenarios where the, the, the actual winner of the match doesn't get the credit that he deserves. But, man, like, that would have been such a great opportunity for him to go on and face Grigor Dimitrov, who clearly wasn't 100%, and I think he could have beaten Grigor as well. And suddenly you're in the semifinals of a Grand Slam, which would have been an unbelievable achievement for him at such a young age. Absolutely. And I think, you know, making it through to the semis, that's just going to give him more experience for the next time he gets to a final so that, you know, I, I, I hear you. I think it was really a missed opportunity for him. Let's talk a little bit about the men's final. Now, I know you were sleep-deprived for the entire two-week event. I took took it upon myself not to watch the early, early morning matches, but I did wake up um, for the Djokovic-Medvedev final. And, you know, I I would... My first reaction after the match was over that I was, you know, it was that I was disappointed that it wasn't a great match. But I'm not a huge Djokovic fan, but... Boy, did he ever play lights-out tennis in the final, didn't he? Yeah, and he made me look like an idiot. And, Jim, you don't have to jump in with your, <laughs> you know, your comments right here because I That's started yes the broadcast. Yeah, there was a big yes guy on that. You know, I started the broadcast with what I think a lot of people were saying, and I really thought it was going to be like an instant classic. I thought it was going five sets. I thought they were going to battle. I love the way that Medvedev has been playing, obviously. He was on this incredible winning streak that went back to November. I, I like the way that Danil plays. You know, like, this isn't, you know, this isn't a guy who is just trying to get mistakes out of you. Like, he wants to finish points. And, and you know, if there's ever a display of the difference between the big three and the rest of the field, there it is right there. And it has nothing really to do with ability. You know, this is – 
it's Novak Djokovic, or say it's Rafa, you know, especially at the French Open, knowing what it takes on the biggest stages to come up with those big points. And, you know, I, this is the overused cliche in sports. It, it looked like a man against a boy. And suddenly Medvedev, who, you know, through the winning streak, has been kind of calm, very confident. You saw kind of the recklessness of a young player, even though, you know, he's 25. He's not that young. Uh, kind of come out. And, you know, you saw the guy who was – you know, going at it with the fans in New York. Like, he started seeing that come out, and, and, you know, he threw up the white flag pretty early in that match. And, yeah, you like him or not, and we can all talk about Novak Djokovic, the person, and, and some of the comments he's made. Uh, you know, you're talking about the greatest champion of that tournament, and you're talking about a guy who really wants the records. And, you know, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's going he's gonna to get a lot of those records. Well, you opened up the door. His father uh, you know, attacked the Western media for a negative portrayal of his son. Where are you on that, Mark? Yeah, you know, hey, it's a father protecting his son. I think that, you know, Novak's, one of his biggest issues was he was the third one to come into the party, you know, in comparison to Federer and Nadal. So people were already Fed fans or Nadal fans. Um, you know, he has a different demeanor than the two of them. And, you know, the screaming, the, the behavior on the court. And not to say that Federer and Nadal are always saints, but they carry themselves a little differently. And, you know, it doesn't matter who the athlete is or what the sport is. You know, the media is always going to appreciate the Roger Federers and how, you know, kind of their their kind of smoothness, for lack of better terms. Um, you know, so there's that as well. And listen, we're, you make comments about vaccines, you, you make comments about COVID, and, which is a very sensitive subject, you're going to get criticism, and you better be ready for it. And if you want to have, the, you want to be opinionated, you know, on, on, especially on topics that have nothing to do with tennis, you know, that's going to happen. You know, half the world's going to hate you, and half the world's going to say, yeah, I feel the same way. And, you know, he's, he has faced a lot of criticism, and that's part of being one of the, you know, the greatest players in the world, you know. Tiger Woods, he faces criticism and has faced criticism. Like every great player has, has faced criticism. So, you know, you kind of, you, you've signed up for it, unfortunately. Yeah, you bring up a good point there, Mark, because, you know, a lot of times they say for these athletes, you know, if you follow them on Twitter, politically charged or they'll say something, you know, about COVID or things like that, and people do jump on them. And you're right, Novak does kind of step out of the line a little bit and speak on topics that can be a little bit, um, I guess, you know, controversial. And, um, you know, let's give him credit for that because often as, as, you know, in the sports business, in the media business, we often, as, when we listen to athletes, it's like same old questions, same old replies, and they don't kind of step out of line. But Novak's not afraid to step out of line. So, you know, I might want to revisit my thoughts on him when I listen to what you're saying. You know, he isn't afraid to say some things that maybe a lot of athletes are. So I may not agree with what he's saying, but at least he is saying something. So I'm going to take back a little bit of my comments maybe that I've said internally to myself about him as we move forward here. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and you know, just because we, he might not be, uh, you know, someone's favorite tennis player. And, and, you know, I've used this comparison, I'm sure, with you guys before in shows. Um, you know, there is a different vibe in the building, uh, and I'll use Arthur Ashe Stadium as the example just because I've been there. You know, there's a different vibe when Federer and Nadal are playing as, as opposed to Djokovic. And I feel like half the crowd is there to see the upset against Djokovic where no one would want to see that for Federer and Rafa. They, they want to see the greatness of those players. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think that he is, he's hit some nerves and again, you give him credit and we just saw LeBron make a, you know, have sort of defend himself uh, last night after the Lakers game because Zlatan Ibrahimovic criticized him. And, you know, these guys have platforms and they've earned those platforms. And, you know, Novak Djokovic knows that he's not going to probably lose too much sponsorship money. And even if he does, he's got more money than we could ever, you know, imagine. So who cares? Um, so, yeah, he's in that position where he can do that. And, you know, all the power to him. Again, as kind as you pointed out, we can all disagree with certain things that he says. But from a tennis standpoint, how do you, you know, he's, he's in that conversation of greatest of all time. He, he might not, he, he won't be the most loved tennis player of all time. That I feel pretty good about, but the results are the results. And right now he's, he's the world number one with an exclamation point. Mark, just before we let you go, uh, Serena's tearful exit, is that a sign or was that just in the moment? Yeah, sure felt like it, didn't it, Jim? You know, yeah. like when you're touching your heart and you're waving and, you know, she even said it. If, if the day that I'm leaving, you guys won't won't know it's happening. You know, like it's going to kind of hit you. Like someone, I don't, I don't know if anything can blindside you at this point with Serena because they're always wondering if this is the last one. Um, but you know, I think that for the first time in a long time, if ever, you know, she sees an opponent that she kind of realizes is better than her right now. And that's it, that's Osaka. And that's not to say that she's giving up. And I still think that she'll be in the mix at Wimbledon and she'll have a chance to win that. Um, but, you know, we're we're getting very close. And, man, what a career that she's given the tennis world. Absolutely. Mark, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it, buddy. Jim, Ken, thanks, guys. That's Thank Mark you. Rowe from TSN Tennis Headquarters at Mark Rowe TV is the Twitter account. Coming up next, Pierre Dufour, uh, VP of Market marketing strategy for national bank the new title sponsor for the two major canadian tennis events this segment of tennis talk canada is sponsored by the fox group at ig private wealth management getting your financial planning in order is very important this past year has taught us to expect the unexpected so i feel comfortable and confident recommending don fox and his team to you the fox group will provide a written plan that will be tailored specifically for you and will reflect your goals and aspirations it'll be reviewed with you regularly and updated or adjusted to reflect major changes in your circumstances or life events. The planning process begins with you in mind. The Fox Group inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. Contact the Fox Group at their website, donfox.net, and follow on Twitter at Fox Group PWM. This is Tennis Talk Canada and TSN 1050. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Tennis Talk Canada, Jim Taddy and Ken Cressida with you. And a new look for tennis this year, National Bank Open in Montreal in Toronto as National Bank goes from presenting sponsor to title sponsor. And there's much more involved than just a name change. There's a big commitment here. So let's bring in Pierre Dufour, VP of Marketing Strategy for National Bank. Pierre, welcome. How are you today, sir? Very well. Thank you very much for having me, Jim and Ken. Our pleasure. Uh, glad to have you here. So, first of all, give us some background on on who uh, you know. What is the National Bank, and, and how people in Toronto know National Bank? Yeah, thank you very much. And um, yes, National Bank is uh, the sixth biggest bank in Canada, and we offer financial services solutions to individuals and businesses. Um, in Ontario, we employ more than two thousand people and have uh, in more than ninety branches. And I guess your listeners might. National Bank more for uh, 
how we cater our financial services solutions to health professionals. So that's a segment of the population where we, uh, um, we do a lot of business in and we support a lot of their professional associations as well. I'm fortunate, Pierre, that there's a national bank right. I live up in the, in the suburbs in Oshawa, Whitby area, and there's a national bank right here. So I had my first mortgage with National Bank when I was a spry, I think 25 to 27-year-old, something like that. So I'm very fond of National Bank over the years, and we certainly appreciate your support, your support of tennis. So my question is, why tennis? Of all the things that National Bank was looking at or possibly looking at getting involved in, what, what uh, drove National Bank towards tennis, which is a sport, obviously, that I love so much? Yes, well, National Bank, as you know, has been involved in tennis for the last 15 years, and we, we, we like we really like the sports. We think the uh, the tennis athletes are amazingly inspiring. Uh, the display, the the strength, their endurance, and their mental toughness that they that they display. We think it's really inspiring for a lot of people, for people to want to play tennis and to be active. And so that's what we really like in the sport. Uh, what are the key parts of the sponsorship? Yes, the key parts of the sponsorship, well, obviously, uh, first, it's sponsoring the National Bank Open, so this great uh, international tournament that Tennis Canada is putting together, which is quite unique, as you know, uh, uh, having the women and the men rotating between Toronto and Montreal, giving the opportunity for both people in both, in, in, people in both cities to see uh, uh, these athletes. That's quite unique. Uh, but it also runs deeper than that, so we wanted to support as well uh, the provincial provincial tennis associations, um, the youth who are uh, being developed into um, high performance athletes through the program, the Little Aces. Um, we're also supporting through the program uh, the Challengers Network, which is a number of, of, of smaller tournaments across the country. Um, and finally, uh, we're working with Tennis Canada to um, also encourage women and girls to um, be more active, participate more in tennis, both from the, at the participation level, but also for higher performance programs. So that's a, an involvement that runs deep with Tennis Canada, and Tennis Canada and National Banks are really proud of that. Oh, that's, that sounds fantastic. And we're certainly, uh, you know, as a tennis player for a long time in this country and a coach in this country, I, I, those are certainly all valuable uh, ways that National Bank is assisting the growth of tennis, both at the at the professional level and obviously from the grassroots right up. So thank you for that. Um, you know, with my involvement with the, with the Rogers Cup presented by National Bank and now the National Bank Open over the last 20-plus years, um, I, I was a little nervous when I knew that the Rogers sponsorship was coming to an end. And uh, was National Bank kind of waiting in the wings to jump from presenting sponsor to title sponsor, or was there, uh, you know, what was the how was the groundwork laid for that transition from from your end, Pierre? Yeah, well, I think it was just a, a seamless transition. I think Rogers Tennis Canada and, and National Bank have been working together in, in making uh, the National Bank Open, so now how it's known, uh, a great success uh, over the years. Um, and I think it was it was really about like finding the right the right spot uh, that uh, both uh, parties, both Rogers and National Bank, wanted to occupy. So I think it, it made sense for Rogers to to be the presenting sponsors of national of the National Bank Open, and we on our side obviously were amazingly excited to uh, to be in the uh, as the as the lead sponsor of the event. So I think I I, I would say it was quite of a, a seamless position that we did uh, in the in the background and we hope that it's going to be the same thing for everybody who's going to be involved 
Jim Taddy and Ken Christina with you on Tennis Talk Canada. We're speaking with Pierre Dufour, the VP of Marketing Strategy for National Bank. And, you know, one of the more intriguing parts of this, this sponsorship is, uh, you know, the support for lower-ranked Canadian players. What was the attraction there? Why did National Bank want to do this? Yes, well, we, we realized quickly, like last year, when the, the pandemic hit us, that uh, obviously a lot of people were going to need support. But when we looked at our uh, involvement in a partnership with Tennis Canada, uh, we discussed with them and, 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 and identified as the, the, the next wave of, of young, promising players, as, as people that actually needed uh, financial support to go through these difficult times. A lot of them um, have limited, um, you know, we're going to face some financial stress and to be able to really focus on continuing to develop as, as good athletes in the sport. And so uh, we jumped in and basically uh, made sure to, to, to help them uh, go through the, the, this tough times. And so it, it seemed to be just a natural thing to do in the circumstances. Well, Pierre, in my, in my kind of Monday to Friday role, or it's actually a Monday to Sunday role, I'm the director of tennis at Mayfair clubs in Toronto. We have four clubs and, Obviously, as you mentioned, with players, the, the pandemic hit them hard. Well, it, it has also hit our, our tennis community quite hard and our tennis coaches quite hard. Now, I'm fortunate that I work and, and oversee approximately 55 to, uh, to 60 tennis coaches uh, just at Mayfair alone. And National Bank stepped up and assisted in the coaching certification membership renewal program through the Tennis Professionals Association and Tennis Canada what was the reasoning behind that? Because I'll tell you, a big thanks from, from Mayfair and a big thanks from our 55 coaches, and I know there's thousands of coaches across the country. Um, can you give us a little bit of insight as to why National Bank stepped up to help the tennis coaches? Yes, well, thank you, Ken, for the feedback. That's really uh, good to know. Um, yes, so the coaches, uh, they obviously play a key role in making sure that uh, everyone can stay active and practice tennis across Canada. And again, um, you know, some of them are doing this part time. Uh, for some of them, it's it, you know, through the pandemic, it wasn't necessarily obvious if they were going to continue. They're putting themselves uh, to a certain extent, uh, you know, at risk by uh, continuing to 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 do, to do this thing that they're passionate about. And so, just to make sure, that standpoint, uh, maintaining their certification was not going to be an issue, and that they were also going to be informed with the. Uh, you know, what, what are going to be the best way of, of continuing to be a coach during the pandemic with the, all of the social distancing rules that needs to be in place and everything? Um, well, that's a role that we figured that we, we were going to be able to play. And so Tennis Canada uh, and, uh, and National Bank looked into it and, and, and designed a program that was going to make it a, a bit financially easier for them to, to renew their certification. So that was, that was the motivation behind it. So just uh, for our listeners, so they're aware, each tennis coach across Canada pays uh, a yearly fee in excess of $100 to be a member of the Tennis Professionals Association. That kind of helps to, um, you know, drive the train, keep us informed, and, and uh, help with the certification process. The National Bank stepped up and offset 50% of that cost um, for at least the first 1,000 people that would, would reapply and pay their dues. So a, a big help there. Thank you, Pierre. And I think Jim's got another question for us here. Yeah, you, you've also got a used tennis ball program. So how successful was it? How does it work? Yes, uh, it was really uh, it was it's a really it was a really successful program. So um, it was to basically when we have there are tennis tournaments, 
uh, or just, um, um, I guess, games being played in, in the different tennis centers across Canada, uh, those used balls can be put into boxes that the uh, National Bank would then gather and redistribute in schools so that they would put those balls uh, under the chairs and the desk of uh, the students in the classrooms. And you know all of this uh, annoying sound that can be quite loud and, and, and annoying to everyone in a classroom where we'll, all of a sudden, with those used tennis balls, we give them a, a second life and, and just make it uh, easier for everyone in the classroom to, to lower the noise level, which obviously can be uh, some, sometimes a bit of an annoyance. So uh, that was a creative way to use those used tennis balls. And uh, we're really glad that that program uh, was very successful. Yeah, well, we certainly, uh, Pierre, I can certainly speak for all of Toronto. We're, we are excited that the National Bank Open uh, will be um, coming to Toronto this year, that the men will be coming back to Toronto. The women, of course, will be going to Montreal. Um, we're not 100% sure yet, as I'm sure you're aware, whether there's going to be fans or not, but uh, we know that there will be, hopefully at some point, some fans will be permitted to access. But uh, I certainly want to thank you as a tennis player in this country for National Bank's support of the National Bank Open and of all of the support that the National Bank is doing for tennis in this country. So thank you for that, Pierre. Um, I certainly appreciate it. And hopefully I'll see you on center court in Toronto or, or a representative from the National Bank when we do the uh, trophy presentation at this year's National Bank Open. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. And, of course, in the one in Quebec, I won't be at the, uh, at the tournament in Quebec because my French is, uh, is not very good at all. I should have paid better attention in high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, but thank you very much, Ken. And, yes, I hope to see you. There and I think everyone hopes to see a successful tournament this summer. Everyone is eager to see uh, our athletes coming and playing there. We've got a, a next wave of Canadian athletes that are really exciting to play. So hopefully everything's going to go smoothly and we can have some, some tennis back this summer. That would be nice. Pierre, thanks very much. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jim and Ken. Have a good afternoon. You we too, thanks. Sure. Thank you, National That's- Bank. Pierre DeVore, VP Marketing Strategy for the National Bank. The National Bank Open. So there we go, Kenny. We're, we're on our way, uh, and uh, things are sort of returning. At least the events are, and we worry about uh, the rest of it as it happens naturally. But, I mean, these events are in, uh, uh, I think they're August, aren't they? So by then we should we hope to be in a better spot. We, we do, and um, uh, I'm fortunate to, to have been talking to some, some people within Tennis Canada. The plan right now if all holds the way it is at at this stage, that the National Bank Open presented by Rogers uh, will go ahead as planned. Um, The the inclusion of fans and how many fans will be determined as the event gets a little bit closer. But that's exciting news for Toronto and exciting news for Montreal and, of course, exciting news for National Bank as the new title sponsor. It's uh, Look, we're we're in tough times, but um, it'll be nice to see that uh, some things are starting to return to a little bit of normalcy, that's for sure, Jim. Well, it's just great to have something to look forward to as opposed to I wonder if, right? Absolutely. And, uh, look, it's always been a great uh, event for, for tennis fans and for fans of other sports. You know, it's not just the tennis fans that come out to watch the likes of Roger Federer and Serena Williams and all the great uh, WTA and ATP stars that, that grace the courts at uh, at the Aviva Center at York University. So it's uh, it should be um, another great event this year. We're hoping with fans, that's for sure. Okay, we'll come back and uh, wrap up Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. 
Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back. Final segment for Tennis Talk Canada as we wrap up the Australian Open. Ken Christina, Director of Tennis at the Bayfair Clubs, alongside. And, Kenny, when we were talking earlier, we went through all the singles. But, and, and this was this used to be the, the sort of the normal fare uh, in the lean years, we, we missed talking about the doubles. The, the doubles used to lead the way in the past, didn't they? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm going to take my cap off to Sharon Fishman. She's come out of retirement over the last, 16, 17, 18 months. She was, she had a pretty decent career on the WTA tour and then decided to try her hand at coaching. She was coaching at the Granite Club in Toronto and decided to come out of retirement and go back and start playing some doubles again. And she had a great, she had a great, some great results. You know, she did very well. She reached uh, the quarterfinals. Her and her partner almost lost uh, 6-2 in the third set to the number three seeds. But of all the matches that I watched, all the ladies' doubles matches at the Australian Open, without nobody even is as close to Sharon Fishman in playing proper, smart, positional doubles. She really, really plays smart doubles. She, she poaches at the right time. She covers the line at the right time. She's taking risks at the right time. She really is a solid player. So I think she's going to continue to do very well playing ladies doubles and and I think what will start to happen is she'll start getting stronger partners higher ranked partners because they're going to recognize what a great doubles player she is Gabby Dabrowski of course had a little bit of a tougher um, go of things at the Australian Open but she reached the quarterfinals in the mixed doubles um, and they lost uh, six and three to the sixth seed she was seated seated third with uh, her partner Pavic um, and she unfortunately lost in the second round in doubles with uh, Maddox Sands. But Gabby Dabrowski is also a great Canadian doubles player, and we've, we've got to give our due to the Canadians playing doubles because back in the day, that's yeah. all we had. So let's not forget <laughs> about them now that we've got seven players in the main draw of singles, that's for sure. We are spoiled. There's no question about that, but enjoying every second. Let's talk about it, and you've done some research on this, five Canadians playing at the University of Kentucky. Yes, absolutely. And we had uh, Liam Draxel's father on. He's a coach out of the New Market area, Brian Draxel. He's a longtime tennis player in this area, in this region. And uh, his son, Liam Draxel, is playing line one for the University of Kentucky. He's beat the number six player in NCAA, and he's beaten the number one player in NCAA. Uh, so look for him to have a, a strong season all year round. That That team is currently ranked i believe number 15 uh in the ncaa division one with an 11 and three record but they've got five canadians on their roster liam draxel's been playing line one uh gabriel diallo from montreal who i've seen play in the boys under 18 nationals at mayfair east for a couple of years he's been playing line two and three josh lapidat who's a longtime player in our men's doubles leagues around the toronto area from London, Ontario, he's also been playing, uh, living in Toronto. He's been playing lines three and four. Um, Andre LeBlanc from Montreal has played line five and six for them. And Jonathan Sorbo, he's got a red shirt, so he's not able to play in, the, in their matches in the uh, spring season, but he played in the, in the fall season. Uh, another great player. So five Canadians playing for the University of Kentucky, uh, and that team has been doing exceptionally well. Remember Toronto and surrounding areas. Remember the name Liam Draxel. He will be playing on the ATP Tour. He, in my opinion, he will make it to the top 100. He is a heck of a player and a heck of a young man with a heck of a father as his coach. So 
he is a solid player with a solid game. Nice to see him doing very well down there. Okay, a quick thought here. I mean, this is like uh, when you're doing hockey prospects, you're always looking at, at the next wave. And so we had seven in singles at the Australian Open. And from what you're mapping out there, and I know that's not the only story, uh, this the seven in singles is not going to go away, is it? No, it's not going to go away. Canada is strong for the next uh, bunch of years. We've got some great players coming up. And I'll tell you, Jim, it, it, it kind of stems from the coaching system, the coaching philosophy that Tennis Canada has put together. They've really got a great, strong coaching certification program. Uh, they have our national training centers now, both in Toronto and in Montreal, and the development of another one out in Vancouver. You know, it, it, it's a little bit frustrating for some coaches because Tennis Canada kind of swoops in and looks at your club and says, wow, that kid, that kid, that kid, they're both really strong players. We're going to pull them into our national training center, and we're going to train them for free. It's all paid for through the funding from from companies like the National Bank and Rogers and, and, and the funds that come through the uh, National Bank Open, both in Toronto and in Montreal. But it's a great training ground for these youngsters to grow up together, train together, compete together, travel together. It offsets some of the, the individual costs that these players have because it is such an expensive sport. And we are going to continue to see these youngsters showing up and playing on the WTA and the ATP Tour and in the Grand Slam. So, look, there's seven this year playing in the Australian Open. We may not be far off from seeing ten young players competing on tour in one of these Grand Slams. And wouldn't that be something to see Canada be able to do that? That's for sure. Sure. That'd be a thrill. Just a couple of minutes left, but I want to I want to go back to revisit that conversation we had with Pierre Dufour from the National Bank and and that commitment they made uh, the fifty percent for for the coaches' fees. How big is that? Oh, huge! You know it, it, these coaches have been really hurt. If I look at some of the coaches at, at Mayfair alone, they stopped working. Most of them stopped working at our Toronto locations on November twenty third. And they, they worked a little bit in December, three days maybe or four days in December. We were allowed to reopen and then shut down again, and we're still shut down. You know, so they've got rent, they've got mortgages, they've got car payments, they've got kids that are going to school that need clothes, that need food. It's a big expense. So the fact that the National Bank kind of, you know, I'm going to say went outside the box and went away from the mainstream of, of supporting the players and took it upon themselves to – help offset some costs of some coaches was huge. And I know that our coaches that I deal with on a daily basis certainly appreciated it. And Tennis Canada, my hat's off to them too. Um, uh, Ryan uh, Borzon, who, who runs the TPA, took it upon himself to, to, to do this deal with Tennis Canada and with National Bank. And uh, it was a huge asset, a huge help, a huge assist to, to help our coaching uh, across this country, stay involved and stay as coaches in tennis because we certainly have some great ones, as you can see, by what's playing out there on the world stage. You have exactly 15 seconds. Feds is back. Two knee surgeries. Wow. Yes, he's back after almost exactly one year being away. He's 39 years old. He's the winner of 103 events on the ATP Tour, and he is back in Doha for a tournament. Uh, there will be a lot of people happy to be able to watch Roger Federer again. Just remember, tennis fans, don't expect too much as it's its first tournament back in over a year. So happy to have Fed back on tour, that's for sure. Thanks for joining us on Tennis Talk Canada.